This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. It is literally interviewing many property managers, because I'll tell you this, there are so many property managers out there that say they're property managers, but they're not good, or they don't even call you back. If you're trying to give them business in the future, they're trying to earn your business, and they don't call you back, how bad do you think it'll be when they actually have your money? This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about how to become a millionaire through real estate. Now, while I enjoy the passive nature of stock market investing, I know that real estate can help you build wealth and enjoy a lot more of it today. To help us get started on our millionaire real estate adventure, I've invited Dustin Heiner on the show today. Dustin is the founder of Master Passive Income and Successfully Unemployed. These are platforms dedicated to helping ordinary people reach extraordinary success. He's a real estate rental property investor who's been able to make enough passive income from his business to quit his job when he was just 37 years old. With his podcast, books, courses, and coaching, he now helps other people quit their job by investing in real estate rental properties to live the dream. When Dustin isn't helping people live their dream through real estate, he loves traveling the world with his wife and kids. Welcome to the show, Dustin. Andy, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here and just to share with people how awesome, like, or at least for my life, it's been a life-changing thing to have real estate. So uh, thank you again for having me on the show. Absolutely. And thank you for being open and transparent and helping us all succeed. So let's talk about when you first decided real estate investing was something that you were interested in. I've always been entrepreneurial in a sense, like growing up, my dad, he was entrepreneurial, my mom and he divorced. And so my, she got remarried. My stepdad was also, also entrepreneurial. So I had really good examples of people who didn't just work a nine to five. I call it a J-O-B. It's a just over broke job because you're living just over broke, or at least I was. And so I already had always had that like experience. And so all the while growing up, I was trying to f- start businesses that would get me to not work for somebody else. Basically, just stop working that grinding, that nine to five. And so I had a graphic and website design company. I had a skateboard manufacturing business. I had a convenience store and a pizzeria. I have lots of businesses. And all the while, I thought, you know what? I could also try real estate. And so I bought one piece of real estate and realized that once I bought that house one time, and I set up the business to be automatic that works on its own, then I would continually make passive income every single month. And by the time I was 37 years old, I was I had enough properties to be able to quit my job. But I got to tell you one story that really got me over the, like, the, the idea of like, I'm now an investor. So my wife and I, we had you know two or three, four kids, and we had to currently have four kids now. But as I w- built my family, we got married, starting having kid after kid, just living just over broke, like not having any any money to really do anything. And as we got our fourth kid, I'm working for the county government in California. There's a county called Fresno. 
County in California that I was working there doing regular IT work. And I had plenty of seniority, like 10, 12 years working there. I had seniority and everything seemed to be great. And so on my, when my wife had our fourth child, I went on paternity leave. So like literally we, she had a child in January and then I went on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom, bonding with the baby, helping out with all the, the stuff going on and around the house. And so after paternity leave, about a week later, I come back and I go back to work just like normal. And on a Friday, about 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's, boss's, boss's secretary, like the top dog. And she says, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's office? And I said, sure. And then I hang up the phone. And then I stopped a second to think, why would they be calling me? to the boss's office. Like, this isn't normal. And as I'm sitting there, I'm recounting anything that could have happened in the past. And I thought, okay, wow, about two or three months ago, there was some rumors or some rumblings that there could potentially be layoffs because the department was didn't have enough money. And so I said, no, I have plenty of CRA. This can't be anything about me getting laid off or anything like that. I've been working here for too long. I get raises all the time. My bosses love me. Plus, I've been building my life towards having a career here. So I get up and I turn the corner and I start walking down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, this hallway isn't very long, but every single step that I take, it feels like the hallway's getting longer and longer and longer. And every step feels like my feet are lead bricks, like they're getting heavier and heavier. And as I'm walking down the hallway, I start thinking about, oh my goodness, could this actually be the time that all the things that I've been building up to have a career here might be just taken away? So as I get through the hallway, I turn the corner to my boss's office and his door is closed, but the secretary is there looking at me. And sheepishly, she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And she's also consoling me with her eyes because she knows everything that's going on. I have zero clue of what's going on. So I take my seat and she's such a nice lady. So she's not really not giving me anything, but trying to like just be there for me with her eyes and kind of smiling. And as I sit there, I realize that this could potentially be the time that I actually lose my job. And I started also realizing that, my goodness, we just had, my wife just had our fourth child. We had literally a four, a three, and a two, and a newborn, like that close together. They were so close together. And I started thinking, what does that make me? If I lose my job, what does that make me as a father? Am I a failure as a father? Am I a failure as a husband or even a man that's building a career to eventually get to a place where I literally would just be able to set my, my life up perfectly, but is that going to be all taken away? So I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy, my forehead gets all sweaty because I'm just feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders. Then my boss's door opens. And then out walks a lady with a piece of paper in her hand, and she's noticeably distraught, noticeably shaking. She's not necessarily crying, but her world has just been rocked. And she passes by me, and I get up. My boss says, Dustin, would you come in the office? I actually get laid off. The county wasn't, had, didn't have enough money. And they said, we need to do layoffs. And remember, this is the county government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but, but I did. And so as I get the piece of paper from my boss that I have a two weeks notice, I start walking back down that hallway and I turn the corner, I sit down in my chair and I realize that day two things. Like as I'm sitting there, I realize two different things. Number one, I need to get another job. I need to be able to provide for my family. Even though I've had a couple of their businesses, they weren't making me enough money, nearly enough money to do anything. 
I need to get another job. So I was really blessed to praise the Lord to be able to find another job in the in the county. Another department, the sheriff's department, had money that they were able to hire me on. So I was blessed without even being laid off. I got that job and it just you know tr- turned over really, really great. So that was the first thing. I was blessed to be able to do that. The second thing I realized sitting in that chair was I need to now remember that my value is not in my job. My value is now in what I give myself. So now I made this conscious decision to say, to tell myself, I am an investor. Even though almost 100% of my money comes from my job, that's now my side job. My business, who I am is an investor. So when anybody would ever ask me, Dustin, what is it that you do? I would say, I'm an investor might be so happened that 100% comes from my side job. My money comes from my side job. I'm an investor. And from that point forward, I kept telling everybody that I was an investor. And from that point forward, about four to five years, I had enough, I'll get into how I did it too, but I bought property after property after property, where eventually I had 30 plus properties. Like, man, even though I'm making $75,000 here a year working at the county, I'm losing money. I need to quit so I can make more money. Now, I'll round up the entire story to say that I want everybody to hear this, that no matter what you think about your job or anything like that, your value is so much more than anybody could ever, ever pay you. And I'll give you the example of why. Your boss is only paying you enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much as taking money out of their pocket. So you need to realize that your value is so much more. And finish out the story by saying, After about another four or five years of working at this new department, which is a great department, great boss and everything, I kept building my business, buying property after property. And I went into my boss's office and gave him my two weeks notice. I said, boss, I'm done. He looked at me and said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I don't have to do anything. I have real estate. I have rental properties. They make me money. I literally don't do anything and I make money. And here's the last thing I'll say. As I was walking to my car, so in downtown Fresno, you have to park about a mile and a half or if you want to pay parking, which I'm really frugal, so I don't pay for parking, so I'm walking. And I've done this walk a thousand times. Now, if you remember that walk I took down the hallway to my boss's office, it was a short hallway, but it took forever, it seemed like. This walk, this mile and a half walk, it was the best walk I've ever taken. I felt like I was walking on clouds because I looked back and I said, I will never, ever need another job again. Now, 30 plus properties later, I literally do not need to work. And in fact, I'll tell you this. I don't work 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes a week. I only work 30 minutes a month on all of my properties because I have other people, and I'll explain how to do this in just a minute. I have other people literally doing the work for me so that I don't have to do the work. So everybody listening, remember, your value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. I love that, man. Yeah, you went from a position of vulnerability that a lot of us have been in that position or a lot of us still are in that position where we are required to be at a job that maybe we're not passionate about, but we need it because we have to protect our families. We have to protect our spouse. We have to protect our kids. And that's the thing that we need to do. And then you moved to a position of empowerment where you could say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be doing with my time. I have a family. I want to be able to spend more time with them. Let's talk about how you started this because this is a, obviously a beautiful story and I love how it's gone and where you are today, but there are people who are starting out now. So let's talk about that first rental where you said, hey, I want to find that first property that's going to start to give me some of that freedom. How did you do that? So I was living in California, like I told you at the time, and I realized in 2006, remember this was before the crash in 2009, 
And so I started investing, but I realized California prices were so crazy expensive that I would not be able to make passive income. See, we, or what I do and what I teach all my students at Master Passive Income is buy properties that make you a minimum of $250 a month in passive income. Now that's above all your expenses and mortgage and all that sort of stuff. And that's income that's going to be putting in your pocket and passive income where I work one time and I get paid over and over again. So from there, I said, I can't buy properties here and make that type of money. So I actually flew to Ohio. I flew to Ohio of all places. I just picked a place. I said, this might have some good properties. Flew there, found a property manager, found the property. And oh, sorry, I'm saying this like, this is the wrong way to do it. I'll tell you how to, the, the right way to do it. I'm telling you the wrong way to do it. I just found somebody that said they were a property manager. I found a property and bought it. And in the end, that property manager in about four or five months later started stealing from me, making a fake receipts and all that sort of stuff. So it was really bad. Now, that, that's basically what you shouldn't do. I will absolutely walk you through the step-by-step process to do it. Now, if I would have stopped at that first property and said, oh my goodness, they're stealing from me, this will never work, then I wouldn't be where I'm at now. I pushed through that. I had perseverance to say, you know what? I know this business works. I first need to figure out how to do it, to do it right, and then implement it and combine it over and over again. If you remember, Andy, I said, one property makes you $250 a month in passive income. Now, what's great is if you get 10 properties, that is $2,500 a month in passive income. That's $30,000 a year without doing anything. Now, if you had 20 properties, that's $5,000 a month. That's $60,000 a year, again, without doing anything. And here's what's the great thing is, I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my property manager. I don't pay for you know the cleaning the toilets or anything like that. My tenants pay for all that. So what happens, I'll give you the, the basic, the right way to do it. We build the business first. I learned the wrong way. I did it the absolute wrong way. But the best way to do it now is to build the business first. Just like this. I'll, Andy, I'll give you an example of what it looks like to build the business first. If you're going to start a convenience store, you're not going to get a lease, sign a lease on a property, open the doors and put a candy bar box inside of the, the store and expect to run a business. In fact, you'll lose money very, very fast. You go out of business in two seconds. No, what you would do instead is you'll build the business first. You'll get the gondolas, which are the shelving units to put all the candy bar boxes on, the countertops. You're gonna get a cold storage. You're gonna get the fountain machines, cash registers, employees, bank accounts. You're gonna do all that before you buy any inventory. Same thing in real estate. You build the business first and every piece of property is another piece of inventory that you put into your business. And so, like I said, if you buy one property, $250 a month, 10 properties, $2,500 a month, 20 properties is $5,000 a month. You just keep scaling it by buying more properties and putting it into your business. So I know you have probably lots of questions or anything like that, but that's, that's the, the wrong way to do it. And the right way to do it is to build the business first. So you talked about the wrong way that you did it in Ohio. You're saying there's obviously a better and smarter way to do it. What should you have done instead of doing what you did? Yeah, so what most people learn and also people teach, they say, find a property. This is, this is the wrong way that I did. They say, find a property, run the numbers. They, they say, run the numbers by making sure your expenses are lower than your income. So you make some passive income. And then once you do that, it's going to make you some, a little bit of money, like $100 a month in passive income. Then you buy it. Then you find somebody to rehab the property. Then you find somebody to manage the property. Then you find somebody to lease the property. Well, it's almost backwards in a sense, in my opinion. So that's what I did. That's what you should not do. What you need to do 
to get started, to re- really do this right, is to build, I'll say it again, build the business first. That looks like, number one, let's say you're investing a thousand miles away, which is what I do. All of my students, we invest all over the country, not even anywhere near us. In fact, I live in Arizona now, and I invest in Texas, Ohio, and Arizona, but I have students literally invest in all the country. But what we do is we build the business. And what that looks like, just like the convenience store analogy, we do everything in the business to make sure that the business is going to run without us instead of buying a property and hoping it's going to run. So now what happens is you're going to start with finding the right area of the country to invest. Then you're going to find if that city is actually a good city to invest in by contacting property managers. You're going to, you're going to, this is how you start the business. You find property managers that are going to manage your properties. You do not do a business if you do not have a property manager. Realtors, wholesalers, contractors, roofers, plumbers, inspectors, insurance, mortgage brokers. You're going to get all this done before you even buy or even put an offer in on a property. Now, what's going to happen then is you're actually going to save all these problems that's going to happen. That if you did what I did, you're going to buy a house and say, oh, this looks good. I run the numbers. It looks like it's going to work well. Then you buy it. You fix it up. You're in $100,000, $150,000. Then you go to find a property manager. What if that property manager or every single property manager you talk to says, oh man, that's a bad area. I don't even manage. I don't even want to drive in that area. This has happened to so many people. And so what happens is they do everything backwards. But if you have experts, now here, here's the thing. I'm not an expert. Even in the areas that I invest, I'm not the expert. My students are the experts. Nobody, Zillow's not the expert or any online database is not the expert. The person on the ground in that specific city, like let's say your contractor, that's the expert. They're going to know how much it's going to cost to fix up a property, how much it's going to cost for the lumber, how much it's going to cost for labor. They're the experts. Same thing with a realtor. The realtor is the ex- expert in the area. Exactly the same thing with your property manager. You're going to run every property through your property manager. You're going to say, hey, property manager, here's three different properties that I'm looking at. These look pretty good. Tell me, is it how much is it going to rent for? Will you be okay with managing it? Like, is it a bad area that you won't manage it? And what type of clientele? Are they going to be a little more like, I'm going to have to get a new person every once every one or two years. Are they going to stay longer? So those experts are literally going to help you to make sure that you're making money because when you make money, that's the beautiful thing about this business. When you make money, they make money. So that's the way you build the business first. We'll be back to the show after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs 
Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. You talk about passive income a lot. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, I've looked into real estate investing. And the thing that always kind of puts me off is like, it seems like a lot of work. I mean, you talk about passive income. Talk to me about maybe this transition from it's a lot of work to very passive. Does it happen right away? Does it take time? Talk to us about that. Just like any business that you would ever build, this startup is a lot of work. You're going to be putting a lot of work and in the future, all that work is going to pay off. You know, hiring employees, that takes a lot of work. Finding the right location, finding the right business model, like everything's going to take time. So, Andy, you're 100% right that it takes a lot of work in the beginning, but in the end, the passive income, and again, passive income is where you work one time. Where, give me an example on my business. I work one time where I buy the house one time and all the work I've already done building the business, finding property managers, inspectors, and all them. I do that work one time. I already have them in my business. I find one property or even better, I have other people finding properties and sending them to me. Every morning I wake up in the morning, drink my coffee, look at my emails and look for, hey, here's a wholesaler that sent me a property or here's a realtor that sent me a property. Do I want to buy it? If I want to buy it, then it takes me literally like two hours to actually buy it. So passive income, number one, the hardest part is starting the business where you're finding all the right people, property managers, contractors, wholesalers, roofers, all of them. That's the hardest part. In fact, with all my students, that's usually the, the, the hurdle. Once we get past that and buy our first property, then it's literally automatic. And I say automatic by you hire the right people. And let me also explain that you're not going to be paying these experts because what we do is we account for every single one of these expenses before we buy the property. And so here's the easy, easy name way to run the numbers. You find every expense. It could be your mortgage, then the property manager fees, then insurance, then taxes, then vacancy factor. That's if it's vacant and rehab or re repairs. You add up all those expenses before you buy the property. Then before you buy the property, you know, let's give you an example. 
the expenses are $1,000 a month. You talk to your property manager, your property manager, who's the expert, says it could only rent for $900 a month. Well, you're going to lose $100 a month. You already know that before you buy the property, so you don't buy the property because you have experts telling you what to do. But what if the property manager comes back and says, well, you're going to make $1,300 a month in rent. Well, great. All of my expenses are paid for. Tenants are paying for all those expenses, and I'm going to make $300 on top of that. So that's how you're going to do it. You're going to basically step-by-step building the business, getting the people working for you. Then I'll round out to answer your, fully answer your question that my business is so passive. I literally traveled all through Japan, six weeks in Japan, driving on the left-hand side of the road, 2,000 miles, driving around the left-hand side of the road in Japan for six weeks with my family and literally did not even look at my business. I just had money coming in without me working. And in 2018, I went through Europe. I went through 11 different countries for a six-week trip with my wife and my four kids and didn't even think about my business. Same thing with 2019, I went through on the East Coast, four week trip, we homeschool. And so we went a field trip from Florida all the way up to New York. So I literally don't do a thing, but when it comes down to passive, I buy the house one time. Then every single month it makes money for me. And it give you, last thing I'll say here is the houses I bought in 2006, I made money on the up, on the down, or sideways. So if the market goes up, I still make money because it's passive income. If the market goes down, I still make money because it's passive income. If the market goes sideways, I still make money because it's passive income. Now, the properties I bought in 2006, they went down a little bit in value or perceived value, but now they're double. And my rents are double from what they were. So it's literally passive if you build the business first. Working with those property managers, obviously they're in the business in that area, taking care of a lot of the work for you. When you talk about increased rents and things like that, is that something that they handle on your behalf or are you doing negotiations with the tenants? How does that work? I hate talking to tenants. I don't want them to know who I am. I don't want them to have my phone number. That's why I hire property managers. So here's a couple things. So number one, I don't talk to tenants. I just don't want to. I want my, that's why I hire other people to do it. But another thing is I, and this is a great question that you asked. I give them my business rules. So every property manager has an example of what they should do for most tenant or most landlords, like how to handle eviction, how to handle late rent, how to handle price increases, rent increases. What I do with every single property manager, I look at what they currently do. And if I want them to change it for me, I say, do whatever you want for other people's properties. For my properties, I want you to run it like this. And I'll give you a quick example of what that would look like. Rents due on the first. It's late after the third. And on the third, after the the fourth is when it would come around. The fourth, you put a three-day notice on the door, which means in three days, we're going to start the eviction process. Once that three days is up, you literally start the eviction process. And this is for everybody. We're not going to discriminate against anybody. It's literally like clockwork. This is how you run your, my business is if you do it this way. And what I'm doing is I'm giving them business rules. Everything also, I'll give you a quick example. If there's a repair, if it's over a hundred dollars, they come to me and say, hey, this is a repair that needs to be done. I could easily up it to 250 or $500. I could do that. But I always like to just see quickly what's going on. But anything below that, just get it fixed. I think actually, and it's not $100. I think I'm like around $250 a month because I trust my property managers. I've been with them for years and years and years. And so as I'm utilizing my property managers, I'm giving them business rules that they can follow for all of my properties that I'm comfortable with. You talk about the eviction process and things like that's all handed on their side. Did anything change for your business during this pandemic? I understood there's a lot of new regulations that landlords had to deal with as well as tenants. So how did that affect your business? 
So the first thing, I always invest into landlord-friendly states. Like, California's pretty rough. New York's pretty rough. Oregon is very rough. In fact, in Oregon, if you have a rental property and you're evicting somebody, you, as a landlord, have to pay for them to move their stuff out. Like, you literally have to pay for a moving company to move their stuff out. It's That's really rough. It's like, well, that's just, oh, it's, it's dumbfounding to me. But some states are like that. So I always try to find good states that have good landlord. Now, we're not going to mess over the uh, tenants, like, like make, make everything bad for them. No, I provide good houses for the tenants at a lower rate than, let's say, the average, because I really want my tenants to stay in there and have a good place. I'm able to bless families by lowering the rents. Now, with COVID and 2020, it is rather interesting. I personally have not had any out of 30 plus properties I have, no issues with people getting evicted, the moratorium all that sort of stuff, everybody was able to take care of everything really, really well. And here's what's interesting. Some people might say, well, right now the market's pretty high. Should I not invest or should I invest right now with the market really high? I will say that there are deals everywhere. Now, it's harder to find deals. You know, when it's a buyer's market, you can find deals all the time. When it's a seller's market, you have to work a little harder. I'll give you a quick example of one of my students. His name is Benjamin, did a fantastic job. He started investing with me in 2019, December of 2019. So three or four months before COVID happened, he started investing with me. And in that from December to now, he literally has 22 units. He, I think he has like 11 duplexes now. And he's making over $6,000, almost even probably $7,000 a month or more in passive income from December of 2019 all through COVID. And he's destroying, like he's doing so good and well in this business. It's making me like, oh man, I didn't move nearly as fast, but he's doing fantastic. So with COVID and everything, I've been actually very, very blessed. None of my properties and none of my students who have properties have expressed to me, oh, I had this problem with the eviction moratorium. I had this problem. I have yet to see that. Not saying it's not actually you know happening to people. I just haven't seen it. Sure, I hear you. Yeah, and it's funny when you hear about this seems like a really high time to buy real estate. I mean, wait another five years. I'm sure, I'm sure it's probably going to get even higher, right? <laughs> There's no time like the present. Uh, in fact, I love the I love the proverb. I guess is when is the best time to plant a tree? Well, it was 20 years ago. The second best time is literally today. If you start today in 20 years, you'd be looking back, back and say, I'm glad I planted that tree. And I'll tell you also, when I was investing, it was 2006, before the, the run-up, it got really, really expensive and then crashed. If I would have said, you know, I'm just going to wait, I would not be here now talking with great people like you, Andy, and just do a podcast because now I have so many properties. I literally just do this for fun. I get to teach people how to invest in real estate, get a grid on podcasts like this and just have a good time. That's awesome. Yeah, I like the one, uh, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. <laughs> um, so I love that. <laughs> I'll quickly say the properties that I bought in 2006, even though the value went down, my rent has literally doubled from 2006. So you're absolutely right. Buy real estate and wait. As long as you're buying it the right way, making sure you're making $250 a month in passive income, you're going to do well. I love it. Well, there's somebody listening right now, maybe a young parent like you and I, that's like, you know, I'd really love to get into this. It sounds great. I'd love that passive income, but I feel like it might be overwhelming right now with the other responsibilities that I have in my life as a father, as a mother. What would you say to that person? I would say that, well, 
it's easy to say nothing ventured, nothing gained. Like if you're not going to do it, it's not going to actually come to fruition. But I'll tell you this. So I had a full-time job working for the county. I had a business that was also, it was a convenience store. So I literally had to open the store at like 5.30 in the morning, then went to work at like 7.30 and then had employees run the business all day. And then at 4.30, I got out of work and then went to my business again and was there until like 9.30. And I did that day after day after day. Plus we had two, three, and then our fourth kid and then realized this is not sustainable. I literally can't do this. I need to make a change. And that's when I made that shift in my brain. When I lost my job, I need to make sure that this never happens to me again, because there's a good saying, and I'm definitely living proof of it. Again, I work for the government and I got laid off, but it's not if you get fired or laid off or lose your job, it's when. It will happen. And like I said, again, I am absolutely inevitable. Like, like I, it happened to me. So what we do is we push through that. I lost sleep because, meaning in a good way, like I forwent sleep. I forwent on vacations. I sacrificed the every penny on a vacation or luxury because I realized every penny that went to something else other than real estate was that much longer before I can actually quit my job. And then when I quit my job at 37 years old, I said, well, praise the Lord, I literally will never ever work a job again. And all I could do now is literally just spend the time with my family, spend the time on podcasts, help my church, literally just do whatever I want because I don't need to work that just over broke job. Well, if somebody's jacked up and they're listening to this and they're ready to buy their first property, what is one thing that they could do following this interview, one thing they could do today to prepare? The biggest thing, and I'll, I'll jump into like one-on-one coaching. Now, number one, let's say you find an area. If you want to invest in your own area, that's totally fine. If you're going to find another area in the country, wherever it is, the biggest thing is to build the business first. And that is, and this is what it looks like when I do one-on-one coaching with students, because they, they know to build the business first. But as I walk them through it, it is literally interviewing many property managers. Because I'll tell you this, there are so many property managers out there that say they're property managers, but they're not good, or they don't even call you back. If you're trying to give them business in the future, they're trying to earn your business and they don't call you back, how bad do you think it'll be when they actually have your money? And they, do you think they're gonna call you back even more, even faster? No, they're not. So what I would say is build the business first, interview many property managers. Don't take, don't even just interview them once, interview them two or three times because over the longevity or the many different phone calls that you're going to be having with them, you're going to see if they're competent. Do they know what they're talking about? Are they trustworthy? Do they actually know that calling you back is a priority? All that sort of stuff you'll get to. It's just like hire an employee. You want to hire slow. So that's the first thing you do from there. You keep building the business after that. I love it. And then where can people contact you, Dustin, if they want to learn more from you or just connect and maybe listen to your podcast as well? So I have a free real estate investing course. Literally, I'll give it to you for free. I want to see, I want you to change your life. And so I'll show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to find the right properties, how to build the business first, how to scale it to where you can quit your job. So if you go to masterpassiveincome.com, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, it's all one word, free course. I'll give that to you. You can even text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L, to 33777, rental to 33777. And I'll literally give you that to you so you can see for yourself that it's really not that hard. It's building the business, buying a property, let them work for you. And then obviously, like I said, you said, I have a podcast, Master Passive Income Podcast, where it's literally me just teaching this over and over again. Because here's the funny thing. I can literally teach anybody, like 100% anybody, how to invest in real estate, 
but getting them over that hurdle that they realize that they can do it, where for me, it was losing my job. That was that hurdle. Yes, I'm going to do it. So I can teach anybody, but it takes that much for me, just constantly giving, 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 which I love to do, to gets them to realize that they can do it. So check out Master Passive Income or my Successfully Unemployed podcast, which I had you, Andy, on the show teaching people how to also be successfully unemployed. So yeah, find me all those ways. Excellent. Dustin, thank you so much for your time today. This was really great walking through your journey with real estate and how people can do the same. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. Estate investing can be your route to family financial independence. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Dustin Heiner. Number one, diversify your income streams. When Dustin decided to grow another income stream outside of his nine to five, he made the commitment to remove the vulnerability associated with his job. He never wanted to be in a position where his company had a hold of his family's destiny. So whether it's real estate, a small business, a side hustle, or stock market investing, consider diversifying your income streams to reduce that vulnerability in your life. Number two, consider long-distance real estate investing. Perhaps you've not proceeded with real estate investing because it's too pricey in your state. Or, as Dustin described it, you live in an unfriendly landlord state. Well, long-distance real estate may be your ticket to the passive income you're looking for. Number three, build your business first. You heard Dustin talk about how he did it wrong the first time. Instead of swooping up a house because the numbers look good, be sure to build your business first. Find what state you want to invest in and contact and vet property managers before you throw down your hard-earned time and money. Research and patience can evidently go a long way in the real estate game. Those are my top three takeaways, everybody. I would love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Andy Hill MKM, and let's keep the conversation going. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today and to Weird Digital Marketing for supporting us on Instagram and Dan Hines for helping us on YouTube. It takes a village to make this content a reality, so thank you all for your support. And hey, if you are new to this show today and you like what you heard, please do me a favor and hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. This is completely free and it ensures you are getting the latest episodes queued up and ready to go for you. And if you've been a longtime subscriber or follower on the on the channel, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anything really, please consider joining our bi-weekly newsletter where I'm sharing the latest content, information on meetups, and resources to support you on your family financial independence journey. You can access that newsletter at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. What's the free gift? you might ask. Well, I'll be sharing the full details of how we became mortgage-free in less than five years as your free gift just for joining up. All the details, all the numbers, straight to your email box. Again, that's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Anonymous. When one door closes, buy another one 
and open it yourself. Here's to your financial independence through real estate, my friends. Carpe diem. 